Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We're two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Tia Johnston, and I'm joined by my co-host, Meredith Hines. Thanks for tuning in today. After a very long delay, we are happy to be back with you. Uh, in fact, we tried to come back last week, but due to technical <laughs> difficulties, we did not. But here we are today. However, we do have a lot to talk about, like almost the entire Ohio State football season, <laughs> including Tuesday's call to cancel the game. You know, that one. So, Tia, it feels like we have to start there. Yeah. Yep, we sure do. I'm just so. sad. I'm literally just sad. I just I, I'm sad five times in the show now. It just says just sad. I I was shocked. I mean, like a couple weeks ago, if you were to tell me that like we wouldn't play the game or like we wouldn't get through the season, I would have been like, okay, yeah. That makes sense. But, like, now that we're so close and they cancel it the week of, Matt and I were recording our other podcast when we got the news, and we literally just sat on air, like, in silence. Like, I had to edit it out because we were just like, no, this can't be happening. It's so upsetting. I was on a call for work, and I got the notification, and it was a good thing that it was just a voice call and not a video call because I did throw my head in my hands and get very sad. Yeah, I mean, I saw a tweet that said that this is the first time since 1918 that the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry will not be played. The only time they even, like, delayed it was when President Kennedy was assassinated. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, to your point of it feeling even earlier this season like a thing that might happen, because we knew that there would be games canceled, and we've already had two games canceled, Illinois and Maryland, but it just didn't seem plausible. And when Kirk Herbstreit went on ESPN a couple weeks ago and made the comment that, like, Michigan would cancel the game to spoil Ohio State season, it was like, stop it. That's preposterous. Like, they wouldn't do that. And obviously they – Guys, no one is saying that Michigan did this on purpose. I certainly don't believe that Michigan did this on purpose. Like, this is obviously an issue with the virus. But, like, it's just – they don't have control over it. They're following protocols. But, like, it just feels so shocking still. Right. And it's so easy to jump to that conclusion because of the way the Big Ten handled this. And, like, the Big Ten is not coming out and canceling games for these teams like they should be. They're leaving it up to the teams to make that call. Therefore, a team can cancel a game whenever it wants, you know, if it has two COVID positives or it has as many as Michigan does, which, by the way, I think, what what is it, like 45? I think that's throughout the entire athletic program. Okay. And then they were going to start their fourth string true freshman quarterback. And guys, I don't know if you've watched Michigan at all this year. But they're, like, they're not good with their starting lineup, let alone the guys that they were going to put on the field. And I'm not saying that they canceled the game because they knew they were going to get blown out. But, like, why risk it when that is the case? You know what I mean? I don't blame them at all. No. But on that note, can we talk about what a dumpster fire Michigan football (laughs) is this season? That's why I was so excited for this game. 
Well, Ohio State opened as 30-point favorites, and, like, I was supposed to be writing the preview for this week, and I was doing research, and it's like, when was the last time? I This has to be the biggest spread in rivalry history, right? I think I read that somewhere. I did not read that, but it would not shock me. I mean, maybe back in, like, 1898 or something when Michigan was really good and Ohio State was yeah. just coming. I mean, the only two wins Michigan has is Minnesota and Rutgers, and Rutgers went into triple overtime. So, like, it was going to be ugly whether it was played or not, which can I please ask you, what do you think this means for Harbaugh? Like, he's not technically losing to Ohio State again. I mean, it's certainly, yeah, I mean, he's not losing, to your point. But, you know, Michigan did already lose to Michigan State earlier this season. But the coaching carousel is going to be odd this year, right? It has to be. Right, yeah. Like, we were talking about how this is a weird year, and there's it's quite literally out of coach's control. Like, we compared Harbaugh's situation to James Franklin at Penn State, where he had his best linebacker, probably the best linebacker, in the conference opt out and then his two starting running backs got hurt so can you blame him for their season Harbaugh's really the one whose seat is pretty hot right now but otherwise like yeah you can't really blame most of these coaches for what's going on yeah and like there there were rumors earlier this week about Harbaugh and the Michigan athletic director meeting and talks of, like, a possible contract extension, but at a lower base salary. So oh, that, that it would basically make it easier to fire Harbaugh after next season if he doesn't perform and also have a reduced buyout. But, like, he would get another year. But, like, those are all rumors. Like, yeah, uh, the athletic director was like, no, we're meeting after the season to talk about this. But, you know, TBD. Yeah. But this year, 2020 has been – an adventure for sure, but this one is just, it's literally like the perfect ending to the worst year ever. (laughs) But there is good news. Ohio State remains undefeated through five games and now three cancellations, which we'll see how the college football playoff looks at that. Can those potentially six wins get them there? Um, And you can certainly see why they still hold that number four spot when looking at this offense. Justin Fields, Chris Olave, I mean, Garrett Wilson, they're quite literally almost perfect this year if you take away that Indiana game. But what's been new this year is a little unpleasantness on the defensive side of the ball for the Buckeyes. Yeah, it's unexpected, right? You you expect the silver bullets to really show up, especially given, you know, we got Sean Wade back. He decided to opt back into the season. He's he's having a good season, but yeah, where's the rest of the secondary? We're not used to it as Buckeye fans. Like, you know, and I think our defensive line is good. They're always good, but teams can pass all over us, and that's what makes me worried about, like, facing – Trevor Lawrence and Alabama's receivers like Sean Wade is good but he has not he hasn't lived up to the he's one person he hasn't lived up to like these super high high expectations we put on him at the beginning of the year and I know that's probably why he's getting team's best but I, I I have questions about like Marcus Hooker and Seven Banks like I don't know if they're 
ready to face the Alabama and the Clemsons of the world yet, and that's what makes me worried. And this is where, honestly, those three cancellations really come into play because, yes, the Big Ten is correct that mathematically playing this weekend would not have altered the outcome of the Big Ten East champ, right? Right. But the reality is that Ohio State is now three games short of where it should have been. And that secondary would have had time to improve. And no, Maryland and Illinois and Michigan are certainly not Clemson, but, you know, getting that on-field experience certainly means something and getting those reps in. Yeah, they're like tune-up games. It's where you kind of try different things. Yeah, you try different, like, scenarios that you would not try against Alabama and Clemson for the first time. But when you're up by – 21 against Illinois like of course you're going to try those things but that brings me to like the offense so (laughs) Michigan State was great but Indiana and we talked about this the last time we we recorded because Indiana was the last game we had seen and Justin Fields obviously not his best game but all of a sudden Master Teague is absolutely killing it and it's like why can't the running game and Justin Fields be good at the same time. Obviously, we saw this against Michigan State finally. But before that, it was like, can we all just sync up? (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, the reality is Indiana's good this year. We have to give them credit. They're not the Indiana of years past. They're good. And so defensively, you know, they put us in a position where we had to run, and the sign of a good team is that, when we had to do it, we showed up and were able to be successful. So Master Teague was able to rise above when, and again, it's all relative with Justin Fields. So he did throw three picks. Yeah. That's really bad. But he also, you know, he had two touchdowns. It was still, like, yeah. by all accounts, a shootout with Indiana. Yeah, the fact that Master Teague was able to lift the team and carry them on his back throughout the game and ride that offensive line, which, you know, unfortunately, as we saw against Michigan State, is now decimated. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's a different discussion. And, I mean, they they looked good considering. Like, again, I think, like, that Michigan State team is really, really bad. But another good thing I did see from Michigan State was the emergence of Trey Sermon, who we have seen nothing from until yeah. now. We and were I think, waiting the whole season. And so before it was like, oh, Master Teague, he's the official starter, he's our running back, and now it's kind of like we're back to the battle of who can emerge as, I mean, if that will even happen, who will emerge as the number one back, but Trey Sermon was a champion of the game, he had a great game against Michigan State, so that's like a super positive thing to see, but that goes back to like, if we had had Illinois and Maryland, would we have seen this from Trey Sermon earlier? not right when we're about to play in championship weekend. So we shall see, but we are going to switch gears here. Um, So we've got more for you after the break. Stay with us. All right, so we missed the show last week. I had really bad Wi-Fi at my mom's. Forgive me. But we would be remiss if we didn't celebrate two major milestones for women in sports The first obviously being Sarah Fuller's historic start for Vanderbilt football 
as the first woman to play in a Power 5 football game. And the second is Kelly Brownson becoming the first woman to serve as a position coach when she filled in as the interim tight ends coach for the Cleveland Browns a couple weekends ago. I think it was like two weekends ago. Again, we talked about this last weekend. Um, It didn't go through, but still, this is like, this is huge. We have to talk about it again. Yeah. Talk about breaking glass ceilings this year. So I just wanted to highlight Callie's moment, not because I'm a Browns fan, and we are now 9-3, and which is amazing. (laughs) Watch out. Um, But this moment was so amazing because in reality, you know, we saw that she was going to be filling in as tight ends coach, and the first thought was, oh, the tight ends coach probably has COVID, right? Yeah. And, like, this is going to be, like, a great thing, but, like, tinged with sadness and, you know, hoping for the best. And then you find out that tight ends coach Drew Petzing for the Browns and his wife Lisa actually welcomed their first child the Saturday morning before the game. So, first of all, congrats to Drew and Lisa, but also – and how amazing is it that we got to celebrate this really, really wonderful moment for women in football, and yeah. we got to celebrate it because, like, of good things, like, you know, Drew and Lisa welcoming a child into the world uh, instead of kind of this tragic narrative that we've been following all year with COVID. Like, her moment wasn't brought down like, say, Sarah Fuller's, and I'm not going to give any of the comments made about that or the negative comments made about that any attention but I just the fact that these two women were in football that has been historically male dominated is huge like I don't care how well Sarah Fuller did even though that squib kick was on purpose because they were 0-8 0-8 and, and down 21-0 and zero after the first half and that is exactly all yes I digress. But I I just remember being little and watching Ohio State football games, and I would always tell my mom that I wanted to be an Ohio State cheerleader. Like, that was my thing. I didn't know why, and it was just because those were the women on the field. And so that's what I associated myself with. And then my mom put me in cheerleading, and I absolutely hated it. Like, hated it when I was, like, I don't know, seven. And so I'm just thinking about, like, all these girls watching Sarah Fuller, like maybe this, maybe it was a six-year-old who just started soccer, and now she can potentially work up to be like Sarah Fuller, and we'll see it more often. And the same goes for uh, Callie Brownson. So just the representation is all that matters, like, and everyone else saying anything else is just wrong. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up your story because I have a similar one. So we grew up watching Ohio State football, and I think what it ultimately gets down to is we wanted to be on the field. And I was the same way. Like, I did cheerleading for exactly one year in middle school, and I got in trouble because I'd be watching the game. (laughs) And it wouldn't be facing, like, the crowd. But you just want to be a part of it. Exactly. Because you and love like, the sport. Yeah. You, as I got older and, like, I started, you know, getting into writing and then you see female reporters and sideline reporters and, like, Susie Colbert and, like, Sam Ponder and, like, people just – and Mina Kimes, obviously. Well, so much <laughs> her because you love her. But, like, people who are actually there and doing the thing and, like, being on the field. And it's like, oh, I don't have to be a cheerleader. I can do other things. And nothing against cheerleaders. If that's your thing, like, by all means, go for it. No, it's very uh, difficult. 
But like, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, what an opportunity to see women as coaches and women as players and women as reporters and women in all aspects of the organization. And I want to just highlight, this has been a couple weeks now again, but uh, Kelsey Trainer had a really good post on Instagram, and she was talking about how when women rise up in society – or when women rise up in sports, it's a representation of them rising up in society at large. Uh, and so seeing Kelly Brunson and uh, Sarah Fuller have success on the football field is an indication that women are having success elsewhere in society. And so really, really exciting. There's glass everywhere. Yes. Hope you're wearing shoes. <laughs> I mean, 2020, I guess, does have some highlights, even though it's been mostly bad. But this is pretty amazing which is probably a good place to stop on a happy note before we get into our shout-outs. Do you want to go first? Sure. So as a lot of you know, uh, my husband and my home burned down at the beginning of November, and it's been a pretty trying more than a month now for us. Uh, but really just wanted to give a shout-out to um, everyone who has played a part in lifting us up. We can't say enough about the support that we received from all of our different communities, uh, whether it's been the community within Land Grant. Uh, Tia was one of the first people to reach out and help, and Matt has also played a huge part in um, helping us out as well. But our communities at home um, in Chicago, you know, everyone has been really helping and stepping up. Um, so I just wanted to thank everyone because 2020 has been a, a real stinker. <laughs> we lost our cat in the fire, and that was really, really awful. Um, and just to, you know, have everyone here to support us and here helping us out, you know, it's it's a bit of a silver lining on what's been a really tragic situation and a really trying year for a lot of people. Yeah, I which brings me straight into my shout-out, which is you and Dave. I mentioned this in our last recording, but, like, the way you guys have handled this tragedy is just – so honorable like you guys I know it's been awful and I can't even imagine but I can't say that I would have handled it this well I mean you almost have like a sense of humor about it and it, it's it's like a recent thing and it's just amazing how you guys are really looking at the big picture I'm so so glad that you guys were gone and you weren't hurt which I guess is literally just the most important thing um, but it sounds like, you know, you guys are moving in on, like, a condo and having a fresh start. Is that is that still a thing? Yeah. Uh, fingers crossed, everyone. Hopefully closing uh, early next year. We uh, – <laughs> I'm trying not to talk about her too much because I'm probably going to cry. Um, losing our cat sneakers has definitely been the worst part of this whole experience. Uh, if all works out, um, the condo will actually overlook the shelter where sneakers was adopted from. Oh, um, that's so perfect. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we we miss her so, so much. Um, but hopefully this gives an opportunity to uh, be able to save more cats and be able to, you know, really keep all of the positive memories of her alive. We tweeted out a link on Land Grant's Twitter, but if you guys do want to do something for Meredith's, in Meredith's name and in her little kitty's name, Paws Chicago is where she was adopted from. So if you wanted to make a donation or even just to a local animal shelter, that would be amazing. As you know, me and Meredith are very big rescue promoters. So that is all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at Tia Johnston underscore, Meredith at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.